y'all. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 183. You were real excited about that rando number. I really love threes. That's why I got so excited. You know what I'm more excited about? Patreoners! Don't you steal my line. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer S. from Alaska. Cassie F. from Georgia. Lindsay M. from Michigan. Patricia R. from Michigan. Why are you trying to copy me? Ashley Q. from Georgia. Ashley T. from Missouri. Quit copying me. (laughs) Brianna B. from Texas. Well, you know what? Sophia A. from Sweden. Okay, ma'am. Jessica G. from California. And Nicole T. from Colorado. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. We really do appreciate your support. It means so much for us. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. But remember, we're also on social media. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode. You can follow us anywhere like Twitter or Instagram at the APC podcast. We're also on YouTube. There's a couple of little videos on there that we've made in the past, but all of our episodes are on YouTube as well. So Follow us there, and maybe if you're at work and you can't really, like, have your headphones plugged in to your phone or whatever, maybe you could sneak and do it on YouTube. Don't get in trouble. Yeah, don't don't get fired. Yeah, don't get in trouble. Don't get fired. We, we, we're not responsible. <laughs> well, I go first this week, so we're going to just jump right in. Oh, now you don't want to have a monologue? <laughs> I'm about to have a long one. Oh, Jesus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No sense of bringing him into this. <laughs> Talk about daddy issues. <laughs> really old daddy issues. <laughs> All right. Picture it. Lake Wells, Florida, 1991. There is an ordinary house in an ordinary neighborhood. Until one afternoon when Alan Mann came home from work and had an experience he still cannot completely comprehend. So Alan was 19 when this happened, and he worked during the night, so when he got off, it was early afternoon. He was home alone, and so he decided to take a nap, which I feel you. Well, it was around 3 p.m., and he was woken up by someone calling his name. He heard a loud whisper of, Alan, Alan, wake up, Alan. So when he blinked awake, he saw someone standing in the open doorframe. And he was like, why you got to whisper so creepy? (laughs) Or as Donna says, creepily? That is a word. Apparently it is, but it's still weird. (laughs) Well, it was a woman wearing yellow, and he had never seen her before in his life. She turned away from the door when he was becoming fully awake, and then she walked away and disappeared in front of him. Before he could even manage to get three steps towards her, she was gone. And he was like, why the fuck are you waking me up if you're just going to walk out? Right? Well, Alan Mann looked all over the house for the woman he had seen and heard, but he came up empty-handed, which made him scratch his head because all the doors were locked from the inside. So it's not like a person who could have been there and then went out the door because the latch was locked. Alan told his mom and dad at dinner that night that he had seen a ghost, but they were both like, uh, okay, Alan, sure, you're too old for this nonsense. But Alan knew what he had experienced, even if no one believed him. And luckily, his fiance did believe him when he confided in her. And 
soon after this, they were married and she moved into Alan's parents' house. Linda, Alan's wife, was 16. He was 19. So they didn't have the finances to live on their own. So that's why they lived with Alan's parents. One night shortly after Linda had moved in, she and Alan's mom, Sandra, were watching their nightly shows, just chilling. And now remember, Sandra didn't really believe Alan when he had told them at dinner he witnessed a ghost. She would soon have her own experience that night, though. Well, and I mean, think about it. I mean, how many people are really going to be like, oh, did you? You know what I mean? Like, most people. I would. would. Well, okay. Of course you would. (laughs) But most people are going to be like, you what? I don't think so. You were half asleep. You were the, you know, most people aren't Mm -hmm. just going to go straight to, oh, there's definitely a ghost in this house. Well, I mean, I would be more apt to believe, like, I would just be like, oh my God, that's so scary. Not being like, blow him off. But you're also a believer, so. But I'm also a nice person. Yeah, but you don't know his life. He could be a a pathological liar. Well, you don't either. But see, you (laughs) trust. I go straight to, they're an asshole. (laughs) Only in my stories do I trust people. I have trust issues, everything else. Okay, so back to Sandra that night. Prince was their little Yorkie, and he was on the couch with Sandra watching the TV, and he was chilling on a pillow, like you do. Well, Prince started growling. That low growl that grew louder and louder. So Sandra looked down at her normal docile dog, then followed his gaze to the end of the couch. That's when she saw this white, misty smoke. At first, she thought something was on fire. But Prince got up, walked toward the mist, and it dissipated before both of them. And sweet little Linda, Alan's wife... She had no idea what had happened. She was like enthralled in the TV show, you know, but Sandra told her what happened and Linda, again, instantly believed her. I went straight to a Donna question (laughs) and was like, what they watching on TV? I don't know. It didn't say in the thing. I know, but I'm saying that's a total Donna question. Yes. Like missed the whole point. (laughs) Well, Sandra was still in shock and disbelief because now she's leaning towards believing Alan had really seen a ghost because she couldn't understand how the mist had happened or what it even was. Well, Linda told Alan what happened with his mom, and she also said, look, I got this friend who has a dun-dun-dun Ouija board. Oh, fuck that. (laughs) So Alan and Linda decided that they were going to try to get some answers with her friend, So that friend came over, they conducted the Ouija board session in the doorframe of Alan and Linda's room, since that's where he witnessed the ghost. They ask if there is a spirit here. Yes. Is it a female or a male? Female was the answer. And then they ask what the name was, and it spelled out Kramer. So they assumed, you know, a last name. So now they were sure that they were living in a haunted house. Everyone was, besides Alan's father, David. When he was interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries, he said, quote, I thought I was living with a bunch of flakes. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. If it was a paranormal experience or something like that, I didn't want to have to worry about that. I didn't want to admit it. And it cracked me up that he said flakes. I don't know why, but in the show, I cracked up like... I was living with a bunch of flakes. Like, yeah, that's weird. What? What year is this again? It happened in 1991. Okay, 
I legit, for, I remember you saying that now, because I remember the first take when you said it and you squeaked your chair. Yeah, yeah. But these flakes, like, I don't know, takes me straight to, like, 1971. Yes, I don't know why. Yes. But I feel like a lot of people are like David. They don't want to admit it because they're scared. And so they just kind of put others down to hide their fear. You know? Absolutely. Well, it wasn't long before there is another unexplained instance. Alan and Linda were watching TV in their bedroom, just lounged on the bed, eating popcorn, when Linda, quote-unquote, attacked Alan. She looked up at him with a strange expression on her face, and her eyes just didn't look the same. It was a weird look that she was giving him. And then she started laughing, But this laugh wasn't her normal little giggle. This was a heartier laugh. And then she pushed him flat down on the bed and got on top of him and was trying to be sexually rough, I believe. No one really went into details on that, but... Did she sound like McGruff? I said, (laughs) rough. (laughs) I do do that on rough. Yes, you do. But in the reenactment, it was like she pounced on him, you know? Mm-hmm. But all the while she was doing this, that deep laugh just got to the point of hysterics. Alan's parents heard the laughter and some thuds and stuff coming from Alan's bedroom. And they were like, oh, what's going on in there? Don't want to intrude, but they also need to keep it down, have some respect for us since this is our house. But also, it was like something they had never heard, that laugh. Meanwhile, back in the room, Alan had finally managed to get free a little more, and that just seemed to give Linda more power and to make her more aggressive in her attack. She pinned his arms down now, and the only thing Alan could do was muster up all his strength and push her off of him, which he did. But she just came back, and he pushed again. He ended up pushing her into the wall three times, and that made her finally release him. And she curled up next to him on the bed then and put her head on his shoulders and just picked up the conversation that they were having earlier like nothing had happened. And Alan was like, the fuck just happened? And Linda was so confused. She didn't have any recollection of that fight or attack or whatever. But what it seemed that they were leaning toward is believing that it was a succubus type of attack. So now the spirit was changing yet again, and it seemed to be becoming more violent. So David, the dad, really didn't know what the heck was going on and wasn't fully convinced it was paranormal yet, but he knew he wanted to protect his family. So he reached out and a spiritualist told them to protect their house by pouring salt all around the perimeter of their house. I just have to say, Robert Stack was like, a lot of plants were injured, <laughs> and, you know, like, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> but, like, basically, it didn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't plants. It was snails. A lot of snails were, like, injured, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, my God. I was like, did he just say that? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, Robert Stack. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love Unsolved Mysteries. But they all ended up keeping bags of salt under their beds because they felt safe that way. 
They also tried a home exorcism, like a DIY kind of thing. And for a few days, things seemed to be more calm. However, as time went on, the house began to have an oppressive feel. The air was just so heavy, and all of the mans would randomly get really bad headaches. All the what? The mans. That's her last name. Oh, I was like, I thought you just didn't know what plural of men, like men. I was like, <laughs> no. all the what? Like, I thought you, you know, yeah, pulled a carry. <laughs> so all the mans would randomly get bad headaches. And there was a stench that seemed to appear and disappear randomly. Also, they would have cold spots in different parts of the house for no reason. Sandra said that every time they tried something, the house would feel lighter for a few days, but then it's like the entity and the haunting would come back with vengeance and be so much stronger than before. And honestly, I felt that so in my core because that's me on medicine for like my dermatologist will give me stuff and it's like, this is amazing for most two weeks. And then it's like, it breaks me out. And I'm like, wait, you were working. What's going on? The, any medication. And I got a lot of doctors and they all will tell you the same thing. It'll work for about two weeks. Then we have to try something different. Your body is different. <laughs> it really is. Well, one night, David was alone in the house with Sandra And he got up to go down the hall for something, maybe to the bathroom. I don't know. Well, all of a sudden, there was that odor again. And David just stopped right there in the hall. He was tired of the torment that he couldn't explain. He straight up said, Sandra, tell Isabella to leave me alone. I don't want to have anything to do with her. Nothing. I'm sick and tired of everything. And Sandra was like, wait, hold up. How the fuck do you know the name's Isabella? And David was like, what? Oh, it was just like a voice in my head. And it said Isabella. And I didn't think anything of it. It just was his inner monologue knew the name. So that's where they got the name Isabella Kramer from. Another thing that started to happen was that some strange disembodied voices started to torment them around the house. It would be like a slew of people just muttering about something. All of them quietly talking at once. On Unsolved Mysteries, it sounded as if it were like a Gregorian chant or something like that the monks would have in the monasteries and like just that low hum kind of music Mm -hmm. like that because that's how low it was. But so it was just so much chatter that it made, uh, I don't know. But there was one voice louder than the rest. Even though you couldn't make out what was being said, you could hear that that voice was a female's voice which fit with the whole Isabella and Lady in Yellow that Alan saw. At this point, Linda was too scared to stay in the house, and so she and Alan moved out. They were packing up the room, and Linda had some spitfire to her, and she started cussing the spirit out and just saying how sick she was of everything, and like, you're the reason we're leaving this house, you know, blah, 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 just cussing her out. Well, mid-cuss word, the bulb on the lamp that they had blew out and then caught fire for a little under 30 seconds and then just fizzled out. This kind of made David and Sandra think long and hard because before they had been kind of lackadaisical about the haunting. But now they were going to be the only two at home. 
And lucky for them, the people at the Center for Paranormal Studies in Silver Springs, Florida, had gotten wind of their haunting and wanted to help. So the man's agreed to have the three founders come and show up with their equipment and just see what they could find. They also brought along a psychic who was able to finally make David go, whoa. Because the psychic was like, you know what? Like, while I'm standing here, I'm getting the name Isabella. What? And only Sandra and David knew that name. They hadn't told anyone else. And then they asked about the last name. And the psychic picked up on the name Kramer. So they were like, sign still delivered. I'm yours. Like, I believe you 100. Well, all of the parapsychologists from that center agreed that the house was very heavy and had a depressive feel to it. Andrew Nichols, one of the founders, said that after a few hours in the house, they all started to experience headaches just like the man's had described. They also smelled that stench, and they described it as rotting flesh. With their equipment, the men were able to distinguish that Alan's old bedroom was where the highest amount of paranormal activity was. The EMF meter was spiking huge numbers. And so Andrew decided, hey, I'm going to take two Polaroid pictures just to see if they could see anything because that EMF was so high. One came out fine, but the other had a small white figure like in the foreground. It was unclear what or who it was, but it did look humanoid. And when Sandra saw it, she was like, that's what I saw on the couch. Well, fast forward two months, and the man's had a local minister come out to bless the house, and that seemed to quiet the haunting down. But David and Sandra were not taking any chances because they knew if the spirit did come back, and it was likely to come back based on their past experiences, it was going to hit them hard. So they decided to move away just like Alan and Linda. And so that is the story of the man house. I will say that people have researched and they cannot find an Isabella Kramer who lived there or died nearby. However, some people said that the area was once an old workers cemetery, but all of the bodies were removed before they built a neighborhood there. And also just an update on the Mann family. Linda and Alan got divorced, but they remained friends. Alan married again And he ended up having two children. He passed away in November of 2018, and he was 46 years old. Oh, my God. So young. So young. Well, do we know what he passed away from? No. David passed away at the age of 62 in 2007. That was a dad. And then Sandra passed away at 72 in 2018. So same year as her son. So on unsolved.com, Jeannie Gear, or so says she, I don't know, that's her username. She said that they lived in Lake Wells all of their life and that they had a friend who lived in that house too and saw a lady in yellow. Mariah, another commenter, said that she lived in Lake Wells as a kid and was best friends with someone who lived in the man's house after they had moved out. And Mariah said that her friend told her some of the weird happenings, and he said that that rotten egg smell would permeate the halls, and there was a mysterious stain on the floor that no matter how hard they tried to clean it, it would always come back. 
She also added that her BFF from childhood lived close to the house, like a few houses down. And she said that when she went over there, she always had a weird feeling. It was just like a strangeness to the air of the house. Very heavy. She said that one of the theories that had been floating around back then is that it was an old lumber yard where the neighborhood was and there had been an accident there, but no proof had been found of that. But it kind of makes sense with the old labor cemetery being there. If there was an accident, you know, at a lumber yard, I mean, laborers, lumber yard, a huge accident. Want to keep it quiet so yeah. that you have to pay the family. Right. Well, another commenter said that she has psychic abilities. And while watching the show, she also received the name Isabella Kramer. And she said that her maiden name might have been Moody. And she said that it might not be the house that's haunted, but an object in it. And that would be why they didn't find records of Isabella Kramer living nearby. Because that could have been something like the Dybbuk box that they found at a yard sale, brought into the house, and this started happening. Another person said that they believed that it might have been a poltergeist or something like that since it seemed to have amplified when Linda moved in and she was only 16. And then other people say that maybe Linda got possessed when using the Ouija board since it seemed to respond to her more. And then she had that attack episode right after they did that session and stuff. And so, again, just kind of throwing that out. But also, some people said, it kind of sounds like carbon monoxide poisoning, like with the headaches and the heaviness and stuff. So it might not be paranormal at all. Or those two might not be related. So that really is all I have on the Man House of Lake Wells, Florida. It was short, but I was was surprised that the parents moved out. So many times people stay in their house for so long. Right. You know, but these people were like, you know what? Gotta go. Yeah, this is too much. I'm not about that life. Mm -hmm. I can't be dealing with no damn ghosts. (laughs) And it was like... Kind of violent, but not really violent, you know? Mm-hmm. And people said with the smell of eggs, like rotten eggs, rotting flesh, how Linda seemed to be, all of it could have been like a demon or something, too. Yeah. But I feel like a demon, it, that would have been like a baby demon. Because it just seemed to not be as disruptive and harsh as a demon would normally be. But maybe they didn't give the entity or demon enough reaction or enough, you know, whatever that they could feed off of. Like they couldn't get them to like have arguments or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't feed off their energy like, you know, they normally would to gain that strength. But if it, okay, the carbon monoxide poisoning makes total sense. Mm -hmm. However, if it was though, really, how do you explain the smell? I don't know. Because, like, it's not like it's whatever that thing is that smells like sulfur so that you know it's coming out. Like, it's not... Gas? No, I totally just had to Google it, let's be honest. But it's um, hydrogen sulfide. It's like this gas that they... Like, it... What? I said gas. No, I know. But it's... They... Yeah, but I thought you meant, like, gasoline gas. (laughs) But anyway, they literally... Because it's colorless, like, flameless odorless, mm-hmm. all the things, you don't know if it's in the air. And so they literally make it 
smell like rotten eggs mm-hmm. so that you know if there's some sort of leak or whatever. So Yeah. You I give mean, me no credit. I give credit where credit's due. You said gasoline. I did not. <laughs> I said gas. So it could be something like that, but. Yeah, I don't know. But And then also with the EMF reader going high, that could be something with it. I don't know. But people experienced after that. So, well, but, it could still be fucking leaking and they wouldn't know it. So, Or it could just be placebo effect. True. It could be. Okay. I could not remember if I had done this case or not. But, you know, Karen, our fake assistant, had made this, <laughs> you know, had made this awesome Google Doc that has every single episode we've ever done listed out so that you can just like, hey, have they done this episode? Let me just control F that and see if it's on there. And if you want access to that, everyone has access to it. It's in the Facebook group under files. So I opened that up and I was like, oh, man, I can't find this one. And then... I was like, well, maybe we did it like as a bonus episode on Patreon because there's this specific aspect of it that I swear I remember showing you a picture of and couldn't find it. So, of course, I reached out to Karen, all-knowing fake assistant, and was like, did we do this episode? And Creep Mom, I reached out to Creep Mom, too, and she was like, "Uh, you should definitely ask Karen. (laughs) But anyway, I don't think I've done this episode. (laughs) But 183 in, I'm starting to forget. Yeah, And by that, I mean, I don't remember what I did. I don't even remember what you just did. She's being honest, y'all. <laughs> My mom used to do that. She would read a book. She loved Patricia Cornwell and Dean Koontz mm-hmm. and all of them. But she would read it and like mm, midway through or worse, she'd be like, I've already read this. But she'd be enthralled in it again. I'm like, I wish I could forget what I've read so I could reread what I really loved, you know? Yeah. But I can't. Well, for this story, I had one source that was like, the best and it's written by Josie Clockstrom so I just wanted to give her like the most credit because this was such a well-written article and it's where most of the information came from okay so we are going to talk about the beast of Jersey Ooh, not New Jersey because I definitely thought it was New Jersey and I was like huh okay it's an island off of France But it's a sovereign state of the United Kingdom. So it's part of the UK. Basically, it's in between England and France. But it's pretty small. All I can think about, I'm sorry, is I see London, I see France. Did you see that post on our... (laughs) It was like a street sign. It was like London going one way, France going one way. And then somebody put underpants on it, like actual underwear. So funny. So, between the years of 1957 and 1971, there was someone labeled as the Beast of Jersey terrorizing everyone. Content warning, this episode deals basically solely with sexual assault. It all started in 1957 when there was a nurse that was waiting for a bus. She was standing there doing her own thing when, all of a sudden, A man dressed with a long coat and a scarf over his face walked up to her and immediately started to beat her over the head. He tied a rope around her neck and dragged her over to a nearby field. Once he got there, he sexually assaulted her. After he assaulted her, he left her in the field and took off. Eventually, she was discovered and she was beaten so badly that she needed over 200 stitches. But she was able to recover from all of her physical wounds. In March of 1958, 
Just four months after the last attack, a 20-year-old was walking home from the bus stop. All of a sudden, someone came up to her, started beating her in the head, tied a rope around her neck, pulled her into a nearby field, and sexually assaulted her. Oh my gosh. And then in July of 1957, a 31-year-old was attacked in the very same way. It was the same exact scenario. She was walking home from a bus stop, was dragged into a field, and sexually assaulted. The assaults stopped until August of 1959. Then a young girl, we don't know how old, she was walking home when, same exact thing, dragged into a field and sexually assaulted. Then a couple of months later, October 1959, a 28-year-old was attacked as well. This time, this woman was really able to fight him off and she was not raped because she put up such a fight. Holy shit. Go her. So now we've got basically two whole years where women have been attacked. Sometimes there was a longer cooling off period, but for the most part, it was just a few months. And how scary. It's random, like from behind. Just walking walking from your bus stop, which is what you have to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Police knew that they had one person on their hands that was doing all of these crimes. They also knew that the women were giving basically the exact same statements. They all said that the man was around 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and in his mid-40s. They also said that he had an Irish accent, but they could tell that it was fake. So like how when you do accents? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I really think it's interesting that... This person used a fake Irish accent. You know, try to think back. Obviously, this is a little island off of the coast of England and France. It's nothing like America was in this time. But when you look at immigration and that sort of thing, you know, it seems like this person really picked the accent of a population that they thought was the most vulnerable to being it being believed that they were the ones doing the attacking. You know, like he was like, oh, They'll hate an Irish dude. Let me do his accent. You know? Mm-hmm. I just think it speaks to how Irish people were treated. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember stuff about, like in New Orleans, how the median is called neutral ground. And, of course, I cannot even remember and who it was, but it was like the Irish lived on one side of the street. Mm-hmm. The Italians lived on another side of the street. I may be making up who it was on each side of the street, but... And they hated each other, but the kids were allowed to play in the median together because, and that was considered neutral ground from the two sides of the street. Like Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody owned it. Nobody was in charge. You know, nobody could get mad at their kids for playing there. It was a neutral ground. And that's why the, that's what medians are called there. So, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So aside from his height, his age, the fake accent, there was one detail that all of the women described. And they said that he smelled musty. Ew. Well, then in 1960, something changed. It stopped being women walking home from the bus stop that were being attacked. In February, like I said, of 1960, there was this 12-year-old boy. And he was at his house asleep in his bed when all of a sudden he was woken up and someone was tying a rope around his neck. But same thing like before, 
the boy was taken out of his house and into a field that was nearby, and he was assaulted. So, of course, police are like, what? But the boy told them the same stuff. He said that the man was wearing a mask, just like before that he had a face covering. He said that he woke up, he's standing at the foot of his bed, and he's holding a flashlight in his face so that he can't see. But here's the difference, though. With the boy, instead of just leaving him in the field, he actually took him back to his house. So that's the first time? Yeah, he broke into someone's house, well, took them out to a field, attacked them, Mm -hmm. and then took them back home. So that one was completely different, but they knew it was the same person based on the descriptions. Well, then the very next month, a woman was walking home and it was raining and someone pulled up and said, hey, you know, do you need a ride? He said, I'm a doctor. I'm on my way to pick up my wife. And where are you going? I can, you know, I can give you a lift. So, of course, he put her at ease because, okay, he's on his way to get his wife. So he's not studying me. And, oh, he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. So she agreed and she got in the car. It wasn't until she was in the car that she realized, wait, he's wearing this huge coat. He's got on a hat. I can't see his face. And he's wearing gloves. And it was right then that she knew she made a mistake. Fuck. He drove off to what I imagine is a field, but everything just said like a secluded area where he beat her, punching her in the face. All of this like punching and tying her hands back is still in the car. What? And then once he gets her all tied up, he takes her out of the car into the field and sexually assaults her. Then he puts her back in the car. So I don't know where he was going to take her, but he gets her back in the car and they drive off. She realizes that this is her chance. Like if she's going to get away because God only knows where he's taken her. But she realizes this is her only chance. And so she jumps out of this car. And it's like while it's moving. Oh, my God. Like fucking action movie jumps out of a moving car. Once she jumps out, though, I don't know if it spooked him. He doesn't check up. He just speeds away and leaves her there. A couple weeks later, still in March, there's this 43-year-old woman. She's at her house with her 14-year-old daughter. They're asleep in their house when the mom is woken up because someone calls the phone downstairs. You know, a house with one phone. It's mm-hmm. ringing. Let me shut up down the stairs. Go get the phone. She picks up the phone. You know, it's ringing. Hello. And there's no one there. But all of a sudden, she hears a click and the dial tone. So she's like, mm, that's weird. Okay. Hangs up, goes to bed because she's like, I have wrong number, whatever. So she's upstairs, back asleep when she's woken up again. And this time, it's because she hears this noise downstairs. So she's like, what the fuck is this? Goes downstairs, turns on the light because she's like, what the fuck? I'm fumbling around in this darkness. Like, let me turn on the lights. Turns on the lights when, as soon as she hit the bottom step, the lights went off. No. So she's like, motherfuck, I am not by myself. You know, aside from my 14-year-old daughter upstairs asleep. She picks up the phone to call police, but the phone lines had been cut. She realizes that whoever is in her house is in the living room. They start running towards her demanding money, Mm -mm. telling her that they're going to kill her. She's fighting them off. 
all the while, all this is going on downstairs, her daughter hears that there's a commotion going on. So she starts to come downstairs to see what's going on. When she gets down there, the man realizes that she's there, ditches the woman, and starts attacking the little girl. No. The woman is like, oh my God, I'm free. She runs to the neighbor's house to call police. By the time she gets back home, the intruder is gone, but her daughter is tied up and has been severely beaten and raped. No. Oh my gosh. That's heartbreaking. You know, she did the best she could. Yes. You would think he's going to overpower both of y'all. So she tried to go and get some help. Right. And, you know, so because some people are like, I cannot believe she left her daughter being attacked by this man, you know, but you really don't know what you would do in that situation. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to be sitting here in the comfort of my quasi comfortable computer chair being like, she should have never left her daughter. She should have not gone to get help right then. She should have, you know, blah, 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 to free your daughter. But on the flip side, if you have no weapons, you have no, you know, right. whatever to protect yourself, what's she going to do? Right. Because he's already overpowered her once until mm-hmm. he saw the daughter. Yeah. The daughter was alive. She just was severely beaten. In April, so that was March. In April, there was a 14-year-old girl who was asleep in her bedroom. And just like the little boy from before, she is awoken to find someone standing at the end of her bed. As soon as she sees it, she scary movie screams and he panics and leaves. So she wasn't assaulted, but holy fuck at the fear of waking up and somebody standing at the end of your bed. She can never sleep soundly again. No. Also, I feel like that's what would happen to you Someone would try to do that to you, but like your scream is that you're <laughs> piercing and she screams at nothing. So to have an actual intruder at the end of her bed, I can only imagine the octaves that she would reach. <laughs> I cannot remember what Colby did to me the other day. He scared me somehow. I can't remember how it was. And he got to hear it. He, has, he hasn't heard <laughs> me be that scared yet. Yeah. And he got to hear it and he was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's. Ear piercing. It is. It really is. (laughs) You'd get a random bill and it'd be like, because you may my eardrums bleed. (laughs) (laughs) Then in July, an eight-year-old boy was asleep in his bed. Eight years old. He was awoken by a man in his room who tied a rope around his neck and just like before, took him to a field nearby and raped him. But this time... When the little boy was taken back to his house, he left him on the doorstep. Excuse me? Yes. But, like, could you imagine as a parent, like, opening your door and finding your poor baby, eight-year-old son, who's been attacked, laying on your doorstep? No. Police are actually doing the best that they can to find this person. They know that it's the same person because they've, because it's the exact same M.O. It's, it's. Taking them to a field, tying a rope around their necks. Everything's the same. It's so scary because the victims, they're all different. That's the problem, too. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, you have adult women. You have teenage and younger boys and girls. Right. Police are like, this has got to be a local. Because he knows too many ins and outs. It's like he's a fucking 
cat burglar. You know, like he's able to sneak into these people's houses without them knowing. He knows exactly where to go for these fields, for these all these things. Like he has to be a local. Right. Police are interviewing everybody that has a criminal record. They're taking fingerprints. They're doing all the things. But the people aren't checking out because it's not them. What ends up happening, though, is that there's a guy in town. He's very strange. He's a fisherman. He's lived on the island forever. And police are just trying to fit this together. And so they end up arresting him. His name is Alphonse Le Gasolo. I think I pronounced it correctly. But after just about 14 hours, they had to release him because there was nothing to point to the fact that he did this. There was no evidence, mm-hmm. no nothing. Just like, oh, he's the weird one, so bring him in too. Exactly. Well, guess what? They had already fucked him because his name and his picture was released to the press. Oh, my gosh. So after that, someone burned down his house. No. Because they thought he did it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's happening to these children, you know? Right. So people are up in fucking arms. They're angry. They want justice. And the police arrest someone and let him go. And they don't know that, oh, there's not enough evidence. Well, they think, well, yeah, we need to get more evidence on him, you know? Not that it makes it right, but that's kind of where they are. But poor Alphonse, he ends up going to some other, like fleeing is what everything says, to another set of islands, kind of northeast. And he ended up living a pretty good life and died in June of 2012. At the age of 72. Wow. Not that at all. 97. Wow. <laughs> Why, how? How did I get 72 out of 97? Mm, I have no idea. <laughs> we know that in February of 1961, the attack started happening again. So basically, it has been since July of 60 to February of 61. And this time, he was just attacking kids. From February to April, there were three different kids who had been taken from their homes, attacked, and then returned. So the police are like, we don't fucking know. This is, look, this island is small. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're literally doing everything that we know how to do, but it ain't fucking working. So they bring in Scotland Yard. They are putting everything together that the police have and same shit. Around 40, 45 years old, 5556, got to know the island well, got to be a local of some sort. They know that he always covered his face with some sort of scarf or a mask and that he wore a long, musty, stinky coat. But this was something interesting. He only attacked between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. when the moon is the brightest. So, he again, he knows the area enough that he can just basically solely go off the fucking moonlight and going to attack when it's like, okay, the moon's the brightest. I can see everything, but I got my flashlight inside their houses. Okay, let's go. Damn. It's fucking, in the worst possible way, clever. Yeah. But that also kind of tells you the setup of the island. I mean, if you were in a larger city, it wouldn't fucking matter what time it is because the lights of the buildings and all of that mm-hmm. black out the moonlight. But when you're in a more rural area, the moonlight really does impact how well you can see. Yeah. After Scotland Yard was involved, it was like they scared him away. 
The attacks stopped for two whole years. But then in April of 1963, a nine-year-old boy kicked off his rampage yet again. Same thing, taken from his house, rope around his neck, dragged into a field, and sexually assaulted, and then taken home after the attack. Then again in November, seven months later, happened again to an 11-year-old boy. Then in 1964, so there was a bit of a cooling-off period, in July and August, a 10-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy were both attacked in their homes. So like one in July, one in August. And after those attacks, there was another two-year cooling-off period. But at some point in there, the police had actually released all of that information about him. And that information they think is what made put everybody on alert, that kind of thing. And so he backed off for a little while because they were more like, okay, okay, from 10 to three, we got to be up and looking out, you know. But after two years, people started to forget. Right. People moved on. People weren't as alert. You think, well, that's the end of it. They thought they had scared him away with sharing that information. You know, I, I get it. I would too. After two years, hell, after a couple of months, you're like, Oh, things are back to normal. Exactly. I mean, honestly, if you think about how we did the pandemic when people could take off their mask, it's like you forget sometimes. And all hell broke loose and here we are again. Yeah. But like, we're like, oh, we don't have to wear a mask. Cool. You know, because it, it, and then like you forget, then it's like, wait, it's bad again? Yep. Like, but we weren't, like, I don't know. We were at a point where we didn't have to wear a mask. I don't know. But that's just my brain. Well, you get vaccinated and you're like, okay, because people are like, you don't have to wear a mask indoors if you've been vaccinated, you know, and all that. And so you get, yeah. you're like, okay, 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 we're good. We're good. We're coming around. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. Abort, abort, abort. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened here. In 1966, the police get a letter. So let me just read it to you. It says, Dear Sir, I think that it is just the time to tell you that you're wasting your time, as every time I have done what I always intended to do, and remember, it will not stop at this. I will be fair to you and give you a chance. That's like one of the only periods in this whole thing. I've never had much out of this life, but I intend to get everything I can now. I've always wanted to do the perfect crime. I've not done this, but this time let the moon shine very bright in September because this time it must be perfect. Not one, but two. I am not a maniac by a long shot, but I like to play with you people. You will hear from me before September and I will give you all the clues. Just see if you can catch me. Yours very sincerely, wait and see. Well, if this is him... He held up his end of the bargain. Oh, shit. Yeah. And in August, a 15-year-old girl was assaulted in her home. But this time, her body had these, like, perfectly parallel lines that were scratches, like, all over her body. And so, it was like, wait, what? What's this? What's this piece? And then after that attack, he went dormant for four more years. Well, I thought he was supposed to have two. Well, that's why it's like, is that really him? Yeah. Because he, you know, unless yeah. he couldn't commit the perfect one, you know. You're right. And so is that why he kept going? Because he didn't have the perfect one. And so can you imagine for four years oh again, you think, okay, we're safe. Yeah. Meanwhile, none of these people have closure. None of these people that were actually attacked feel safe because they don't know who he is and he's just roaming the streets. Mm-hmm. 
In August of 1970, he came back. This time, a 14-year-old boy was laying in bed asleep when he woke up to a flashlight in his face, just like the others. On his way back to his house with the man who, again, masked, musty jacket, all the things, on his way back to the house, the guy tells him that if you tell anybody, I'm going to hurt your mom and dad. And so when he gets home and his parents find him, they're like, what happened? And he's so upset because he doesn't want anything to happen to them. He doesn't tell them. But then finally, he's like, take me to the hospital. And when he got there, they, of course, found that he had been sexually assaulted. And he had those same parallel scratches on his torso. Mm. And so they were like, okay, well, the scratches thing, that was not released to the public. And it has been like four years in between these attacks, and we didn't release that information. So this has got to be him, you know? This is just one of those pieces. And this little boy said he had spiky black hair, and he was wearing a frightening mask. That's what he said. That is just so, like, heartbreaking. I know. Well, on July 10th of 1970, there were two police officers who were just doing their regular shit on the island. It was about midnight, And they're stopped at this stoplight when all of a sudden this car flies past them at this stoplight. So it runs a red light. So they're like, is that what they sound like in the UK? I don't know. So the officers take chase and they are hauling ass after this guy. And he's driving on the wrong side of the road. He's going up onto sidewalks and he crashed through some hedges and ends up stopped in this field. Once he gets stopped, he jumps out straight cops style and takes off running. So, of course, they chase him and catch up to him, tackle him to the ground, and arrest him. Well, in all of the adrenaline, hustle, and bustle of the bust, they weren't paying any attention to him. But when they get him back to the police station, they're like, wait, fuck, he smells musty. Oh, my gosh. And when they get... Like, in the bright lights of the station, they're like, what? So, this guy has on a long, dark coat, very musty smelling, just like all the reports. But this coat, on the shoulders, like where your shoulder pads would be, there are inch-long nails and screws sticking out. Oh. And then, it's on the collar, it's on, like, the shoulders, like I said, And then he also has on like a cloth bracelet on both wrists that have the same like one inch nails sticking out of it too. Not nine inch? No, just one. And they're like, oh my God, this is what made those perfectly parallel Mm -hmm. lines on those victims. So when they start searching him and they're seeing what's all in his pockets, they find a flashlight And there's tape covering the most of it, except for like a pinprick of light so that it would be like super, super, super bright in their Mm -hmm. eyes. They found two pieces of rope, a wool cap, and duct tape. And everybody had said like, well, not everybody, but a lot of people had said a hat, like a wool cap too for him. Then they find a black spiky masked wig. So who the fuck is he? Well... He's 46-year-old Edward Paynell. Now, there's not much known about Edward's childhood. 
But we do know that he had one, well, he didn't technically have a criminal record, but he was arrested one time for like a whole month during World War II. But it was very like Robin Hood of him because so the Germans had been taken over the island and he stole food to feed the kids on the island. So it was like, yeah, he was imprisoned for a month for stealing, but he was like very Robin Hood-esque where he's stealing to feed the kids of the island during World War II. The same kids that he would sexually assault later. Right. What we do know about him, though, is that he was married to a woman named Joan, and I think she had two kids before the marriage, and then they had one themselves. Well, she owned a... Like, children's home. Oh, gosh. But he was, like, well-known there. Like, all the kids called him Uncle Ted. Like, I think he went by the name Ted, but all the kids called him Uncle Ted. How is Ted? I don't know. He has a very long name. He has, like, four names in his name. Oh, okay. But but I don't think any of them are even close to Ted. <laughs> oh, good. But, and then he, like, at Christmas, he would go and play Santa Claus for these kids. Well, duh. He wanted like, them come to sit on, on his lap. Yes, exactly. Now, let me back up. Some stuff says that his wife worked there, but most things say that she owned it. But for all intents and purposes, his marriage was normal from what Joan thought. So when police are like, what are you doing? Like, why? Are, like, what the fuck are you wearing? And why are you going so fast? He says, oh, I was going to an orgy and I just didn't want to be recognized. Okay. Because <laughs> he was, oh, did I mention he was also in a stolen car? Oh, no. And he said... Oh, well, I borrowed that from somebody because, you know, he's like prominent in the town Mm -hmm. and he didn't want anybody to recognize him. Go to this fucking orgy. Mm -hmm. Okay, sir. And they're like, what you got these nails on you for? He wanted to get nailed. Duh. Orgy. Okay. No, not that. He said that it was just in case someone who knows martial arts, if they attack him, (laughs) he had to be ready. Oddly specific, but okay. Well, when they're like, okay. Okay, whatevs. But what about this fucking mask? He's like, I don't fucking want to talk about that. And they're like, okay. So they keep him in custody and they go to his house. When they search his house, they find this room like behind his room that basically he had built. And Joan, okay, one thing said it was like an area that Joan couldn't go to. One thing said that Joan like had no idea that it was even there. But it was basically this secret locked room. That only he was allowed into. And when police walked in there, they were like, oh, my God, it smells so fucking musty. I'm never going to want to know what must smells like. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, I feel, not mothballs, but like I just picture like like clothes that have been like damp and in an attic for a long, long time. Yeah. You know? They find all this old clothing. They find wigs. They find fake eyebrows. <laughs> I can't. Well, they also find that there's a camera and some photographs of a ton of houses on the island. And basically what they surmise from that is that he had been planning these attacks on these people for years. Wow. And so that's how he was able to get into these houses undetected because he kind of knew their routines. And that's what makes me wonder, like the lady with the 14-year-old that she went to get help, mm-hmm. was his whole purpose the 14-year-old? And she just she was the one down there, and so that's mm-hmm. why he that's why he attacked her physically, but didn't sexually assault her. Right. And then when the daughter came down, it's like, oh well, I won't hurt anyway. 
So let me just get her. But also, why did he go through all the theatrics of turn the lights off, turn the, cutting the phone line, all of that? Because that was the only house that he did that, unless he wanted them both. Yeah. Because if that was him in the letter, he did say he hasn't been able to commit the perfect crime. And if two people is his perfect, yeah. that may have been his chance. Yeah. There's some stuff where they found like a shrine to Satan and a bunch of like occult type stuff. And there was a, I forgot who it was. Y'all are going to be like screaming at me because I don't remember who it is. But it's like this like 15th or 16th century French guy who was like a quote unquote devil worshiper that would like lead kids to his house to kill them as sacrifices for Satan. And so apparently Edward slash Ted really like looked up to him. So that's a little bit on the occult stuff, but whatever. Okay, so he goes to trial, and after the trial, it only took a jury 38 minutes to find him guilty of 13 counts of rape, indecent assault, and sodomy against six victims. Wow. He was sentenced to 30 years. As you do. I wow. think that might have been the most he could get. You know, other countries just Usually have different... it is the max that they can get. It's just... Not what we're used to. Right. Well, and again, when you have that many victims, like, you would think that the number could go higher just based on the victims, you know? Right. Ten years per victim. You know what I mean? At least that, but it's not. Well, in 1991, after 20 years of good behavior, he was released. Are you fucking kidding me? So he gets back out, and he's in Jersey, and everybody is like, a fuck you, and basically ran him out of town. Good. So he ended up moving to the Isle of Wight and died three years later from a heart attack. Wow. He better be glad that they didn't kill him then, like brutally kill him, because he was preying on them, but also their kids. Okay, so there was this thing after, like in 2007, it was called Operation Rectangle. And Haute de la Garine, I don't know, I suck at French. So I think this is the house that was for, like, it was for foster care kids. And I want to say this is the one that he did the Santa stuff at. But there was this inquiry, basically, into allegations of child abuse. Well, they ended up finding, like, shackles in the dirt that were, like, attached to the walls at this place. And apparently, like, kids had been abused by staff for a long time. And, again, they thought that Edward Paynell was part of it. But as it went further, police were like, no, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't actually involved. But they found some teeth and all in the basement, too. So they thought like, like there were some bodies and all down oh there. Oh, my gosh. But from what I found on a totally separate article, there weren't actually, like, bones of what would have been, like, current kids there. Like, it may have been, like, buried kids. Like, you know, yeah. buried bodies, buried bo- buried bones or whatever from a long time ago. Yeah. So he only was charged with 13 people, but of course they think that there may have been way more that never came forward. And like, why did he just randomly start when he did? You know, were there people before that? I don't know. And then also how many kids had he been grooming? Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. In 1975, his wife, Joan, wrote a book called The Beast of Jersey, and it was talking about just his crimes and and all of that. Yeah. Okay. You want to see the mask? Yes. Oh, fuck. 
Now that looks like it would smell musty. So this is what he looked like. Okay, so this is a that pol- that mask is scary as fuck. I know. This is a police officer wearing like one of the masks and like his. Like, you can see the bracelets because like he would wear his pants like tucked into his boots too. Uh uh-uh. uh. So no. that could you imagine no. that y'all got to look this up because so that you can get the full like can you That's imagine terrifying that standing over you? You're an eight year old, a ten year old, a twelve, thirteen year old. And you wake up, and that is standing at the end of your fucking bed. No. That changes everything. Like, it doesn't change everything, but it changes everything. Yeah, that of is Of the level terrifying. of scary. That is one of the most terrifying masks I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And just that whole get up, like, oh. We will have the pictures on our website for sure, because I need if I have to see them, y'all have to see them. It is disturbing i'm sorry she just showed another one and it's disturbing it's almost like he's wearing a mask that's like melting and peeling off yes i was gonna say he's freaking leather face almost yes yes that's what a lot of people compare it to meets ed gein yeah Mm-mm, don't like it at all yeah I mean, it's scary enough someone coming into your house, but when you see that mask, it puts a whole new level of terrifying on it. Yes. Holy Hannah Montana, that was, uh uh-uh, no. Well, and he actually never ended up committing murder. It was, not to say just, because these are fucking terrible. Yeah, but it was really just this this long, I mean, like 10-year string of, Serial, he's a serial rapist. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably got off on the fact that they had to live with that daily. Uh huh. Oh, oh, and yes, that was it too because he didn't talk. He he didn't talk much to police. He talked to his fucking victims. Like he just like talked and talked and like they were like, shut the fuck up. I mean, like when he was assaulting them, he would not shut the fuck up. But that was what eventually he because he had an appeal that was declined, and then he kind of talked a little bit after that. But that's basically all he was would say. Like his get up was designed to inflict the most fear possible. Oh, mission fucking accomplished. Yes, yes, that's terrifying. I hate him. Oh, he's awful. So is that mask? Yeah, like they never need to sell that for Halloween because that's fuck. That's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, your story happened the same year that my guy got out of jail. That's wild. Also, I really thought that this story was in New Jersey. And when I started looking at, like, all the bus stops and stuff that I didn't even say the names because I don't fucking know how to say them. I was mm-hmm. like, that's, nope. <laughs> I felt like such a dumb American. Be like, yeah. of course it's New Jersey. Right. What is this island? Dumbass. Wow. Well, thanks for, like, mine was a fucking paranormal story. But those pictures you shared, scarier than anything that I even talked about. Like, oh. And also, I don't know what they look like in color, but in black and white, terrifying. That would be good to see them in color. I bet, I mean, I bet it would be scary, but the black and white kind of like blows out some of the detail, you know? So you can't see it all. So it really is just terrifying. Well, we hope you enjoyed these stories. We always want to hear your feedback. Please go look at our Instagram or our website because I need to know. I know Carrie needs to know, but I definitely need to know if y'all were scarred for life like I was when you see those pictures. Yeah. So again, Instagram, uh, the APC podcast, 
or our website, aparanormalchicks.com. You can see all the show notes and everything that goes along with every single episode. Thank y'all so, so much for supporting us. Don't forget to like, subscribe on all the different platforms. Review us if you can. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.